Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. I'm a feminist, but this week when I heard that Keanu Reeves (laughs) was dating a woman only 10 years younger than him, I was like, that man is a legend. And he is Hollywood royalty. And he is a feminist because he is not dating a 22-year-old when he himself is 56. I honestly thought, the way the story was presented, I thought, oh my God, he's dating a woman older than him. And because she's got this really funky silver hair, in the picture on the scrolling, I went, oh my God, Keanu's dating a woman older than him. And I was so excited. And then I read the story, and it was something like, she's 45 and he's 56 or something. And I was like... This is not a story. This is not a story at all. But it feels like a story. And I just looked at that and went, imagine if Helen Mirren was dating a man 10 years younger than her. What would the story be? It wouldn't be Helen Mirren, what a legend. It would be Helen Mirren has a toy boy. Yeah. Isn't that fascinating? But we look at Keanu and we go, honestly, all the stories where he's a feminist, he's a man who understands to date in his own age range. That was genuinely how that new story was presented. That's a bit strange, isn't it? Because she was a newborn when he was out skimming stones or whatever he did. So I'm going to be like, skimming newborns. Like, <laughs> when he was out, probably, I don't know, skateboarding or what did people do then? carving a hoop (laughs) I'm a feminist but I plan to go to the new Lizzo mural that's uh, been painted in Dublin Uh, but instead I got a burger (laughs) and I'm also vegetarian well I was Um, (laughs) I will be again this is a very good burger Uh, (laughs) it's no I, I am trying. <laughs> I am, thank you. I'm trying. I'm a feminist, but I'm currently writing a period drama and I'm having to do a lot of research because it's about real people. And I have discovered this person from history who's not famous, but he's sort of in this collective of people. And he is such a sort of bad man. He's really toxic and he comes into her life, completely sweeps off her feet. They're both bisexual, which is a lot of fun to write about. I don't know why there's not more bi-visibility, actually, because it is the most fun. I just feel like bi-visibility is... Well, my show, should it hit the air, is going to... I feel like it's, it's bringing sexy back in as much as the bi-visibility that's going to come off the top of this show. Um, I'm going to have to have more bisexual experiences just... 
in order to keep up with my own TV show. Now... You can claim that on your tax. (laughs) (laughs) One thing this man does is he comes to see her, having ghosted her for months, and she's massively in love with him, and he turns up with a peace offering for her in her hotel foyer of a Pekingese dog. Um, He'll just turn up, like, drunk in his pyjamas and uh, seduce a footman and then ask her to marry him. Like, he is so toxic. And I think I've fallen in love with him. (laughs) I think I love him. I think I love... I mean, I am aroused reading about this man. And he's such a bad man. Like, I don't understand why am I drawn to this man, but he's so troubled. Oh... He's so troubled, it's arousing. He's so sexily troubled. I'm a feminist. Oh, okay. I'm a feminist. I know that. I'm a feminist, but I... Right. My boyfriend um, sent me a WhatsApp today. He got some posts delivered, and it was uh, addressed to me. And I said, just open it. So he opened it, and he sent me a picture. And it was of... I'm a feminist, but it was printed on this fabric thing, Right. And I was like, oh, cool. I've been sent a T-shirt, right? And I go, what size is it? And he's like, it's a tote bag. (laughs) And then then I felt disappointed because I get sent T-shirts and either they're so small for me that I can't wear them, but I'm still happy that they thought I was that size. Or they get it right and I'm really angry with them. <laughs> I feel similarly. I'm, I am annoyed if someone doesn't undersize me when they send me merch. Yeah. I'm like, and then okay. When it was a tote bag, I was like, that's so Deborah. She knows. <laughs> Is that not you? No, I... I Who sent it to me? <laughs> no, I said to the merch people, it'd be nice to send all our regular co-hosts something and they've right. just arbitrarily done that. Right. So it was no judgment. It was nothing. It was, I knew you were getting something. I didn't know what it was. I just felt like you would overthink it. And I was no. like, no. okay. No, no, it well. wasn't me. You can have a T-shirt if you want, but I would like you to choose your own size. <laughs> no, Deborah, you pick it for me. <laughs> <laughs> this is what it's like being a straight boyfriend. Isn't it? Isn't it? Pick the size. <laughs> Choose wisely. <laughs> Buy me a Christmas present. I am not telling you what I want. You should know what I want. I'm not telling you my size. You should know my size. If it is the correct size, I will Measure be very your... angry. If it is too small, I will be humiliated. <laughs> Happy fucking Christmas. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but there is a story, and it's only alleged, we don't know if it's true, about a man in Hollywood who is a allegedly not good man. Um, I won't tell you who it is, and I will not be drawn on who it is, but... But... <laughs> um, Surprise. But the story is that he likes to... How can I put this? Pleasure other men with his Oscar. I was talking about this <laughs> with one of my gay best friends and he said, I'm in show business and I'm quite aroused by the idea of a man 
taking me with his Oscar. And I said, I can see how the head might be enjoyable, but the shoulders, the shoulders. would be very, very painful. And he said, well, I wouldn't let him put the shoulders in. I'd only let him put the head in. I said, but how would you stop him? Because you're in that, a very vulnerable position at this point. And he said to me, well, I'm strong. And I was like, oh, it was such a revelation for me. I just went, oh, this is how different dating would be if you thought you had a better than even chance or even a 50-50 chance of being able to overpower your sexual partner. And I just had this absolute revelation about it. And I just thought, as a woman, because you just, I just, I would never feel that in a million years. The, the risk of that person wanting to go further and me not wanting to go further and that person forcing me is always there. It's always there. And I just was like, ah, oh, fucking hell. Imagine being stronger than Kevin Spacey. <laughs> Live from the Dublin Podcast Festival at Vicar Street, the Spontaneity Shop presents The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis White, guest co host Alison Spittle, and our very special guest, Julie J, talking about trying. Alison, how are you? I mean, I don't need to ask how you are because you're wearing your feelings on your head. <laughs> If you're listening at home, uh, Alison has a headdress that, yes. uh, frankly, Carmen Miranda would kick her in the shins <laughs> for. Yeah, it looks like a clown's egg. <laughs> like what? What, like something a clown would hatch out of? Yeah, like what, I believe clowns... that clowns are not humans; they're egg-forming species. Well, like is, she's hot takes tonight. She doesn't care who's, who hears it. <laughs> she believes clowns are not human. Yeah. I don't think that's a Jet. feminist stance. Jet. Some clowns are feminists. <laughs> Jet fuel does not melt clowns. Do we have any clowns in? <laughs> yes, really? we do. Okay. I'm so sorry. This is, this is in- how I get cancelled, isn't it? This is how you get cancelled. <laughs> this is an inclusive show, <laughs> and you have barely sat down before you've dehumanised clowns. <laughs> if you are a clown, and some of you are, Mm. Alison was being wry and hyperbolic. Absolutely, I'm sorry. She doesn't really mean that. She knows you must know and love clowns. I do. I actually do know a clown. Yeah, I'm Facebook friends with them. Okay, <laughs> this is starting to sound like some of my best friends are clowns. <laughs> it's, not, it's starting to sound worse. <laughs> so I was trying to open a lovely door for you yeah. to walk through. Go, of course. I went to drama school with some clowns. I mean, I've done clowning. I was hoping that you were going to go there. Ah. I thought you were going to do that rather than go, one of my Facebook friends. There's <laughs> no defence. Yeah, that's how I don't get cancelled. I'm like, how could I be against clowns? I have a Facebook friend that's a clown. No, I mean, no? I mean you were veering towards cancellation <laughs> off the side. Clownsonation. Oh. It's that kind of comedy gold you can expect all evening. <laughs> Deborah, I've shifted a clown. So what? <laughs> oh, this is taking a turn. 
Yeah. What do you mean you shift to the cloud? If, oh, sorry, for our global listeners, that means snog or pash or make out. Yeah, tweed American. So no further, like, like it was just a kiss. Now, no, don't get it twisted. It was only you know? a kiss. Yeah, um, um, it was at a Halloween party. Well, were they a real clown then? Yeah, that was probably a costume. Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe he didn't have time to get changed after work. <laughs> and he's like, I'm here now. <laughs> You shifted somebody yeah. who was in a clown suit. Yeah. That is further. That's like saying, I mean, genuinely, and we're going to have to cut this out of the show. Okay. <laughs> but that's like saying somebody came wearing a culturally appropriated Native American headdress and I shifted a Native American. <laughs> Not okay. Not okay. Clowns have a... I mean, obviously, I'm not equating the clown culture to the Native American culture. <laughs> Putting those on apart. You're going to get this me cancelled. <laughs> You're going to get me cancelled. We're both holding the guns to each other's heads. <laughs> this is, it's so Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> oh, the canceller has become the cancellee. Oh, God. <laughs> this is how it ends. This is how it ends. It's an unsustainable culture. Do you want to know what I was dressed as? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Uh, Mary Bale. Who's Do you remember Mary who Bale? that was? Okay, it was the lady that threw that cat into a bin. <laughs> <laughs> you came as the cat bin lady. It was very big that year, I can't even... <laughs> I, I can see that. Some people like a topical one. I saw Ashling B going as Wagatha Christie this year. Oh, nice. She was basically just a Sherlock Holmes, but she'd printed out the whole Wagatha Christie dilemma uh, and she was wearing it around her neck. I, look, Ashling B is great and all, right? But... <laughs> but Where's this going to go? She is your Irish but, feminist sister. I know. But, look, all I'm saying is, look... <laughs> Let her try and dress up as a pensioner animal abuser <laughs> and get the shift. That's all I'm saying. That's... Because <laughs> that, that's what's interesting about the story, that it's taken a turn that I hadn't seen. I don't know if anyone else had seen it. Imagine if we had babies. That we'd thought about you shifting... We thought about you shifting the clown, but we'd never thought about the clown looking across at the cat bin lady and thinking... <laughs> Aye, aye. <laughs> I would. <laughs> oh, that's I so know. But, you know, when you, like, Halloween costumes, it's like, you know, nurse, sexy nurse. Yeah. Teacher, sexy teacher. Did you do sexy cat bin lady? <laughs> yeah. Was she yeah. in suspenders? <laughs> with it, like, did you have, like, a toy cat and a wheelie bin with you? And were you then just in suspenders and a teddy? <laughs> twirling your hair with your finger. <laughs> with your hair in bunches. Oh, my God. I've got a horrible joke I thought of. Uh, well, don't stop now. <laughs> Why would you stop? Why would you ruin the habit of a lifetime? <laughs> you could be like... <laughs> Abuse this pussy. Do you know? <laughs> I don't... You had to go. I could see you had to go there. I'm not proud. Oh, <laughs> I'm no. Proud. If any of us had seen it, we would have gone there. 
<laughs> I mean, I'm glad I didn't see it because I'm glad I didn't go there. Deborah. But had I seen it, I definitely would have. So I can't judge you as much as I want to. <laughs> Look, I was feeling pretty good about this and then I remembered my mother-in-law was here. Oh! <laughs> I don't even know what a pussy is. Like, <laughs> you don't even know what it is. Play along, Deborah. <laughs> How naive do you think this woman is? She has been around the block more than you. Have. I mean, not a bad block, not a sexy block. I just mean, when someone's a generation older, you, yeah. you know, they've lived. Come on, life. <laughs> and they just live, they've lived and they've experienced things. You know, we patronise people who are older than us and we should not because I'm willing to bet. Let's stop talking about your mother-in-law. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, I won't patronise her anymore. Pussy, pussy, pussy. I know what it is. It's fine. I'm a feminist, but... We it's both... a vagina! Uh, sorry. I'm a feminist, but we've opened this show with mother-in-law jokes. <laughs> And pussy jokes. It's like Bernard Manning's in town. Jim Davidson and Bernard Manning guest star in The Guilty Feminist. Oh, I would love I would to see, to see that. that. I'd pay to see that, actually. That would, that would be funny. Thinking... I mean, it would kill the brand, but it would be funny. <laughs> it would kill Jim Davidson, I'd say, as well. And Bernard Manning's already a bit dead, I think. <laughs> yeah. You know. Um, anyway. Anyway. <laughs> he died of thinking of that idea. Um... <laughs> Let's not speak. I don't think they know I don't who Bernard Manning is. Who Bernard Manning is? He's the turkey farmer. No, (laughs) No. not Bernard Matthews. All right, shit. No, he's a racist (laughs) comedian, Bernard Manning. I bet you ten quid Bernard Matthews was really pissed off that Bernard Manning is a very similar name to him, though. Do you know? Well, it depends on Bernard Matthews' politics. (laughs) He might agree. That's true. We don't know. Put that in the podcast. Oh, nothing we've said so far is going in. <laughs> there are things for live that, you know, in the room, people go, this is really funny to be here. But when you record it and you publish it, yeah. people are shocked. <laughs> and they're like, why would you put this out into the world? And it's a good question. You go, but it was funny on the night. And they go, mm. <laughs> So look, if I put this out, some of it probably will go in because Tom will say, you've done 20 minutes. Now. I can't cut all of this out. I'd have no podcast. <laughs> But I will just have to understand that my inbox mm. will be much like the cat lady's bin, full <laughs> of complaints. Um, yeah. I'll forward them to you. Yeah. Um, this is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. I'm Deborah Francis White. With me is Alison Spittle, and we're talking about trying. <laughs> We're talking about trying, and I think, as Yoda says, there is no try, only do. Um, But actually, I think there is a trying, and I think sometimes we're ashamed of trying, because trying makes us feel like not cool. I went to see an amazing live show by Josie Long um, some years ago called Trying is Good, uh, in which she talked about famous triers and how it's not cool to be the trier at school. And sometimes I think we think if we're trying, we're not succeeding, because if we were succeeding we wouldn't be trying but I think feminism needs a lot of trying we need to keep trying we get pushed back in ourselves and our self-development we constantly have to be trying so tonight we want to dedicate an episode 
to the triers. Yeah. Give us a cheer if you give us a cheer if you're a trier. Yeah. I think I'm a tri- I'm a big trier. Are you a trier? I'm a trier when I'm mentally well. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah, that's a caveat we should probably all make. Oh yeah. Like um yeah, I am but I I do have that horrible habit of going like if like my leaving cert which is uh, the last exam you do in secondary school in Ireland really didn't try with that. Like <laughs> really just pissed my life up against the wall, you know? I watched Judge Judy. Oh. I got the street smarts, you know? Yeah. I know that you have to get photographic evidence, you know? But, um, yeah, I'm one of those people that, like, uh, maybe gives up a bit too quick, then doesn't try, and then is happy with whatever half victory they get. Mm. You know what I mean? I do. Well, I think sometimes it's easy to think, well, if I didn't try, yeah. then it doesn't matter what I get, because we'll never know if I could have been good at this or not. And what you do when you really check out of something like that is sometimes just go, I undermine the value of the process by saying, it's stupid, doesn't matter. And then as soon as I've done that and devalued that process, then no one can judge me because Mm. I wasn't trying to live up to a process I didn't respect. And I think it's a real instinct. And also the paralysis of, you know, when you've got something on you really want to do, you know, there are some opportunities I've got now in writing and things like that where I think I've wanted this opportunity for years now it's here. What the fuck do I do with it? Why would anyone give me this kind of responsibility? And you, it's really easy to go into a state of paralysis with that. And you need techniques. You know, if you're having one of those days, luckily at the moment I'm feeling like I'm on a roll. But there what are times else? when I, you know, you, of course you think, what's this blank page looking at me for? Yeah. No, seriously, like, what do you do? Like, I am... <laughs> Maybe I should bring this up backstage. <laughs> yeah. Well, you didn't you just have a play on here in Dublin that got five stars by the Sunday Times? Yes. So I think you're doing all right, Alison Spittle. I know, I know. But, you know, then it's like, oh, come here, look. I, uh, what did I do on Sunday? I, um, I watched four episodes of a Channel 4 reality show called The Circle, which is over. Like... <laughs> I don't care who wins. Uh, I played this game called Overcooked, which is like a cooking game with my boyfriend. And then I got angry at him because he wasn't chopping fast enough. So I just stopped playing that game and I ate um, a packet of dime bars. So that was my Sunday. And you look back and you're like, oh, Alison, the Sunday Times would not give you five stars for this day. The Sunday Times can't judge your Sunday afternoon, though, can they? They should. I don't want the Sunday Times round looking in my window on a Sunday afternoon and going, "Mm, how many stars for this kind of lethargy? I mean, if they're judging lethargy, then I would get five. Yes. It's like, yes, very, very lethargic. (laughs) Lethargic to the point of sedentary. (laughs) (laughs) Almost catatonic. (laughs) Exclamation mark, five stars. I mean, there's, there's, there's... there's that sort of thing. You can look at it that way. You were very successful in relaxing. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Act of relaxing. But do you know what I think you must do? I would like to relax without guilt, though. Well, that's the secret. Okay. You're so lucky, gang. I'm here to tell you the secret. <laughs> the secret is act of relaxation, where you go, I am not going to spend all day feeling guilty about not doing X. 
I'm actively going to do Y. So I'm actively going to have a sleep in, mm. get up when I want. I'm deliberately going to watch the revival of Beverly Hills 90210. Did you watch it? No, why? <laughs> Me neither. No need fine. to talk about whether or not I watched it. That's an example of something yeah. that somebody here could have done. If you're hating yourself, if you're going, I'm going to eat another dime bar because what's the point? Then mm. that's not a fun experience. But, but if you go, I'm going to put my three dime bars out, I've got my Beverly Hills racked up, and this is going to be a blissful afternoon. And then tomorrow I'm going to do some work, and I'm really looking forward to that as well. I really think that's the way forward. Yeah. I, to be honest with you, like, I never go, do you know what? I've had a great day. I'm going to end it with a bag of dime bars. <laughs> do you know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. If you said to yourself, would I most in the world like to eat a full bag of dime bars? And you really checked in with yourself, your body would go, okay. In, in that lady's case, Yes. Yes, I would. But I think if the answer's yes, eat the dime bars. And if the answer's no, I don't really want to do that. What I want is one dime bar, and then I'm going to check in and see if I want another dime bar. Then that's the way forward. I think a lot of it is about intention and mindfulness. This is becoming very zen, this show, isn't yeah. it? This is the, beca- the new guy's like, this is a cult. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't think we can do feminism without effort. Mm. And, and also without the knowledge that I, I hope... I'm not as good a feminist this year as I will be next year. Because you don't ho- need to be. No, because I hope I'll improve. Do you ah. see what I mean? So I hope... I, <laughs> I, if you're listening at home, Alison has mimed her head exploding. <laughs> but I hope I'm a better feminist in five years and a better writer in five years and a better comedian in five years than I am now. Mm. That's good. You know, the only way for that to happen is for me to keep trying, for me to keep getting out of bed, going and doing gigs, trying to do a gig, doing a gig, assessing that gig, moving on. And if that gig's not as good as yesterday's gig, that's okay. It's all part of the, you know, that, what's, what do you call it when... Uh, a pen? <laughs> <laughs> you know when a graph doesn't go straight up, but it goes up and down and up and down and up and down, but overall it's going in an upward direction? Trajectory? Trajectory. But is that... Isn't a trajectory just any... So this is a... What is it, a wobbly trajectory? It's a what, sorry? A positive trajectory. A positive trajectory. I think you... Thank you. It's an oscillating trajectory. I accept that one. That's the one I feel is right. But you're all great. Like, you did a good job too. Like, you tried. And that's what's important. All of those were correct. Correct, yeah. They were all correct, but they were all efforts on the way to perfection. It's like the graph. Like the one? Like the graph, yes. Oscillating. Yes, that was sort of the joke. But oh, it's... sorry. No, no, no. no. I, think, I think this hat is killing my brain. <laughs> I mean, uh, what was that? What brain? <laughs> That's taking a turn, isn't it? It's <laughs> an unusual heckle in a feminist show, isn't it? Um, That's Maureen. Um, I hire her to bring down my self-esteem. <laughs> it keeps me Irish. <laughs> I've moved to London now. I'm getting a bit ahead of myself, do you know? Are you getting notions? Oh, yeah! 
I'm Irish. I'm Irish. I'm, I'm, I'm not Irish. Uh, I understand Don't worry, that. you're Grant. I can see Sorry. you. Do you know I what I mean? Yeah. And you regretted it as soon as you said it as yeah. well, didn't you? You're like, oh, shit. I, <laughs> I no. forgive. It's fine. It's fine. What does your T-shirt say, though? I hope it is... Not, and it's, a, it's a feminist slogan. Girl it power! Is. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> oh. What does your Fe- say? Females of the future. Nice. Excellent. Nice. Oh, oh. oh, sure. Yeah. You're matching. You're, that's beautiful. I was going to say you're like Donna and Joe, but you're not. They wore matching outfits, but they're brother and sister, so it's very different. So different. Donna and Joe. <laughs> Donna and Joe? Yeah. They. Who are Donna and Joe? Uh, the biggest celebrities from <laughs> from Athlone. <laughs> from Athlone. Athlone is this town. Uh, is there any, so they qualified for Eurovision semi-finals, and uh, <laughs> we've all done no that. More. I've qualified for Eurovision semi-finals. <laughs> um, they came through my hometown in a limo, and we waved at them. Wow. Like they were a passing dignitary. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it was Nixon. Not Nixon. Uh, someone... How old are you? <laughs> I remember when my mother took me out to wave at Nixon as he drove by. <laughs> yeah. Of course, this was in a previous life <laughs> when I lived in Washington, D.C. and was the child of a diplomat. Um, can I just yeah. ask, do you know the song that they sang? Love can make you happy. Love can make you cry. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. I do that as my karaoke. My enemy sings it. No, I'm joking. (laughs) That's a callback to about four shows That's a a callback to the first show we ever did at Vicky Street. Yeah. Where Alison admitted in an I'm a Feminist Bart to deliberately learning her nemesis's karaoke song (laughs) and jumping up before her to do it. Proud Mary, keep on burning. <laughs> Rolling. What's Rolling. your favourite song, Maureen? <laughs> I'd be like, what brain? My humps, my humps, my humps, my humps. Check it out. Because <laughs> your favourite song is not your karaoke song. You can't sing your own favourite song. You couldn't do it justice. You wouldn't want to murder it. Mm. Uh, your karaoke song is the song that is within your range. Mm. The one that you reckon you can sing really well. You don't care about that song at all. That's but you, true. But you feel you've got a bit of belt in your voice at whatever key it's in, and you reckon you can do it justice if you're very drunk. <laughs> Others don't agree. <laughs> Please, welcome to the stage with incredible woohooing and a certain amount of trepidation, Alison Spitz! So, uh, give me a shout if anyone's been to a music festival called Oxygen. Uh, For people that don't know what Oxygen is, I'll explain it to you. It's like Fire Festival. if it was headlined by the Fratellis. So if you can imagine... <laughs> if you can imagine that... Uh, it was, 
it was a big thing in the early 2000s, right? And I really wanted to go to it. And I kept asking my mum to let me go to this festival. And she kept saying, no, you're too young. And the reason why I wanted to go was because there was this fella that I liked that was going to the festival. And uh, I knew he liked me because we're on the junior county council together. <laughs> and, and I put myself forward to be leader. And he seconded my motion, right? <laughs> So, I got it, baby. So, so, uh, so eventually she relented. I kept going, Mom, I'm a woman now. I'm 15, right? And eventually she relented and she let me go. And uh, I arrived at the festival on the Thursday and I set up my tent all beautifully, right? I had like uh, baby wipes in one section of my tent. That was a bathroom area, right? <laughs> then some tuck crackers in one corner. Kitchen. Uh, <laughs> And then I had a three-litre bottle of Devil's Bit Cider, right? Tucked into my sleeping bag like a baby. I was like, stay safe, right? So on the Thursday, there's like a dancing section, right? So I went out and was dancing to music. And uh, the guy from the Junior County Council came up to me. And uh, we shifted, right? Yeah. We shifted on the Thursday, right? And then he asked me out on the Friday. And then we were watching Snow Patrol together on Saturday. And then on Sunday, he asked me for a hand job and I cried. <laughs> it's the grimmest Craig David song you've ever heard in your life. The grimmest Craig David song. <laughs> so, so, on the Thursday, <laughs> forgot to tell you this detail, right? When I was in my tent looking at all my class stuff, I was delighted with myself, right? I left my wellies outside because I didn't want to get any dirt in the tent, right? And I zipped up the, zipped up, you know, I zipped up the door and I came out and my wellies were gone. Someone had stolen my wellies. Now I had no other shoes for that whole weekend, right? I was fecked. I was fecked. Now I wasn't going to ring up my mum and go, Mum, Mum, I know I told you I'm a woman now, but I've lost my shoes. Could you, could you drive back and get me some shoes, right? So what I did was I saw there was two Tesco bags for life just hanging in a tree. And I was like, aha, a miracle, right? So I, so I pulled off the bags, off the tree, and I slipped them round my feet and sellotaped them to my legs, right? I was festival ready for the rest of that weekend. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. So back to the hand job, right? So I was there in my plastic bags crying. The most sexual sight you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> and, um, and he said to me, the fella said to me, Alison, I can't go on with this relationship. <laughs> I was like, what? He says, I have needs. I need hand jobs. And if you can't supply that, I'm afraid um, we can't go out anymore, right? So I ran out of the tent, roaring, crying, distraught. My heart was broken. I heard in the distance, Newton Faulkner, right? So I ran towards that. I heard his one song and I walked away, right? And I was in the queue for the toilets and there was two women from the countryside in the toilets and I could tell they were from the countryside because I looked at them and they looked at me and I go to them, are you scared? And they're like, yeah, yeah, I'm very scared, right? And we bonded, you know, in the way that country women do. 
that's by sharing their fears at large events, right? <laughs> we could be killed. Um, do you know? It is, it's actually... I've never said this before, right? It's actually so funny how rural people are so afraid of terrorism or whatever <laughs> when silage kills them more. Do you know what I mean? They couldn't... <laughs> they'll run around on a bale of hay and be grand but if they're up in Dublin at Christmas time they'll be like you could drive a car straight through this do you know what I mean <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> simply having so uh, <laughs> so anyway um, what happened was the women we were scared and um, is there anyone from Dublin here <laughs> Now, I love you. I love Dublin. I lived here for six years of my life. Loved the place so much. But I am telling you now, you did not send your best to oxygen. <laughs> you did not. You did not. <laughs> I'd never met a dub before I went to oxygen, right? I won't lie, I was very prejudiced after, right? So we're in the queue, we're queuing for the toilet, and these two girls from Dublin came up, and one elbowed me in the chest, right, and goes, we're going into that toilet next, and there's not a fucking thing you can do about it, right? <laughs> and I stood there, and I looked at the two girls from Dublin, and I looked at the Saga girls, and I was like, yeah, there's not a thing we can do about it, go ahead there, no bother, no bother. So they went into the toilet, and the two girls from Saga were going, Jesus, this is terrible. No, it's... Oh, oh I'm very angry. <laughs> and because I was all heartbroken and nihilistic from what had happened before, do you remember? I've had my heart broken over a handshop, right? <laughs> this is why I said what I said next, right? They were going, Jesus, this is a fierce injustice now. It's fierce injustice. And I said to them, do you know what you should do next? What? When you come out of that toilet, you should beat the shit out of them. <laughs> beat the shit out of them, right? So, so the two girls from Dublin came out of the toilet and those two Sligo girls, it was amazing, right? It was amazing. I, <laughs> I was watching hair extensions fly across my eye line. It was the most beautiful sight I'd ever seen in my life, right? And I won't lie, I could feel my heart healing. I could feel it heal. I could feel it heal. So... <laughs> So what happened then is um, went back to the tent anyway. It was having a cry, having a power cry. Um, that's if you've never cried until you've cried in a sleeping bag. It feels amazing, right? So, so then what happened was I was crying and I heard this noise outside and I heard this fellow go, Shims, Shims, you're not going to, are you, Shims? Go on, Shims, go on. I will. I'll do it. Go on, Shims. And then I heard this noise, it went like this, right? And then, poof, right? And I said, Jesus, what's that, right? And then I heard him go, fair play to you, Seamus, I didn't think you were going to do it. Fair play to you. Huh. I told you, I'm a man of me word. I'm a man of me word. Go on, Seamus, do the other one. Do the other one, right? And then I heard this noise again, it went like this. And then, poof, And this time I could feel the vibrations in the ground, Right? And it was louder. Whatever this was, it was getting closer to me. <laughs> it felt like that scene in Jurassic Park with the two cups of water, you know that? 
So then I heard him go, no, Seamus, jump on the blue tent. Jump on the blue tent. <laughs> and I looked up at my blue tent, right? Oh. <laughs> and I could hear his footsteps already. I looked, there's four zips between me and freedom, right? <laughs> I am not getting out of that tent in time. I know I'm not. I just know it. <laughs> I only had enough time to unzip my sleeping bag, right? <laughs> and I, I was just resolute. I could see his shadow coming in. I was like, come on, Seamus, you bastard, come on. <laughs> and I opened up my arms and I opened up my legs. And I was like, come on, do it, do it. And he fell in on top of me, right? Right on my chest. And I closed my legs around him. And I closed my arms around him and I burnt the shit out of him. Okay. I have to finish now. So do you remember I told you about those plastic bags that were on my legs, right? Remember that? I caught trench foot, right? <laughs> I caught a disease you get in World War I. Outside Nace. And I still got the shift. So, <laughs> thank you very much. Alison Spittle, everybody! Hello, Guilty Feminists, and happy holidays to you all. Happy Christmas to anyone who's listening to this on Christmas. I just need to tell you that I am coming to the United States of America to do The Guilty Feminist live in a series of locations. On the 2nd of January, we're in Boston. Then we're in New York on the 4th and 5th of January, Philadelphia, Chicago, Toronto, Vancouver, San Francisco, Seattle, and LA. That's right. We're coming to Canada too. We've got some great co-hosts confirmed, including Beth Stalling, Jenna Friedman, and Jenny Slate. For all dates, and to book, go to guiltyfeminist.com. Do it now. Tickets make great Christmas presents. The Australian and New Zealand tour starts on the 7th of February in Sydney, then Brisbane, the Gold Coast, Melbourne, Christchurch, Wellington and Auckland for all dates. And to book, go to guiltyfeminist.com. Do it now. Tickets make great Christmas presents. On Saturday, the 7th of March, we will be recording our 200th episode at the Royal Festival Hall as the headline show of the 10th Women of the World Festival. And this is too exciting. Go to southbankcentre.co.uk for tickets. It's going to be a big one. The UK Guilty Feminist Tour starts off on the 1st of May with a huge spectacular at the Eventim Apollo. Then we're off to Brighton, Ipswich, Hull, Guildford, Nottingham, Salford, York, Norwich, Halifax, High Wycombe, Woking, Richmond, Aylesbury, Crawley, Watford, Southend, Coventry, Oxford, Glasgow, Plymouth, Birmingham, Bournemouth, Sheffield, Cardiff and Newcastle. The UK tour show, unlike the Australian, New Zealand, American and Canada shows, will not be recorded. They will be live only. So get tickets now. Go to guiltyfeminist.com. Don't forget to choose love this Christmas. Buy something for a refugee. It could save their life. People are very cold and they can really die of exposure. So go to choose.love if you can possibly afford it, even if you can afford three quid and buy something now. And also don't forget about Crisis and Shelter and other people who need your help this Christmas. Please, everybody, have a very guilty Christmas and a feminist 2020. Back to the podcast. Hello. 
Our guest today is a writer, a presenter, a podcaster, and a stand-up comedian. She has been supporting Tommy Tiernan on tour, and she won the Forbidden Fruit Comedy Search 2017. Please put your hands together and welcome to the microphone, the incredible Julie J! to be here. My name is Julie J. Um, give me a shout if you're drinking this evening. Oh, very good, very good. Yeah. I have to say, I don't drink much myself anymore. Yeah, no, I just drink when it's someone's birthday on Facebook, so <laughs> every day, every day. And I was out in town last night, had a good time, met some interesting people, came to the end of the night. And I tried to get a taxi home. Now, I was a good hour waiting on Camden Street for the taxi, okay? And then I made the executive decision. I said, that's it. I'm getting a rickshaw home. Now, <laughs> who here has been on a rickshaw in Dublin? A lot of us. I'm going to ask this lovely lady, what's your name? Carmel, did you have a good time on the rickshaw? You did, yeah. I had a great time, Carmel, as well. I'd really recommend it, guys, if you haven't done it. I don't know about you, Carmel, but I had a lovely driver. A uh, really nice guy. He's actually my friend on Facebook now. A lovely fella. Lovely fella. Absolute gentleman. Called Roberto. And he was from Lisbon in Portugal, of all places. Yeah. And he was telling me, which I just couldn't believe. Did you guys know you now need a license to sell drugs? I mean... <laughs> Oh, you did know that, Carmel. Okay. It's too much red tape these days, guys. Now, I'm sure you're trying to place me age-wise. Okay? So, confessions corner, full disclosure. I am 30. Six. Uh, so, I was a child in the 80s. Give me a shout if you were around during the 80s. My people. Okay, I don't want to ask it, but I will. Uh, give me a holler if you were not actually alive during the 80s. You smoke bastards. Okay. I'm going to come to this lovely lady here. What's your name? Oh, you're lovely too. Fantastic. Claudine, tell me, what year were you born in? 84. So why am I talking to Claudine? Okay. Claudine, you're lovely, but I'm going to come back to this lady in the pink scarf. Did you put your hand up? You weren't around during the 80s? What's your name? Josie, very good. What year were you born in, Josie? 91. Okay. We'll let you away with it, Josie. Okay. Now, Josie, I'm just going to take you back to the 80s for a minute um, because I don't know, are you doing history for your leaving search? So I'm just going to take it back. Okay, take it back. Um, I mean, the kids these days, they're mad for the Snapchat, aren't they? The 90s kids, they're mad for the Snapchat. And it goes out saying, Claudine, we didn't have Snapchat in the 80s, did we? No, we did not. In the 80s, the only thing that lasted for 10 seconds and then disappeared forever was an Irish father's active involvement in family life. That's... I mean, they made one dinner once. Like, that was it. Um, you know what? I actually... I shouldn't make that joke. I really shouldn't because I'm actually such a daddy's girl. I'm mad about my dad. He's great fun. Like, he's a real character. And by real character, I mean big drinker. And uh, he's a lot of fun. No, he's a lot of fun. Anyone here with an Irish dad? So 
some people lucky on shore, okay? Um, no, he's great, my dad. And he's had a very tough year. Very tough year. He had a very tough Christmas last year. A very tough Christmas in particular. Um, he went off in his 12 pubs. Yeah. Uh, a couple of weeks before Christmas with all his friends. They're all in their mid to late 60s. And, you know, there's no easy way to say this. I don't want to bring the mood down because you're such a nice crowd. But in the second pub, pub number two, his best friend, his bestie, actually got a heart attack and dropped out at the bar. Yeah. And it was really tough on all of them. I was especially tough on my dad because he was the one who had to carry him to the next 10 pubs. Like, the only thing worse than being dead in this country is being called a lightweight, okay? So, can't avoid that one. Um, I'm at that age now, of course, where all my friends are having kids. Uh, went to visit my best friend Kate there. She popped one out a couple of weeks ago. Uh, went into Hollis Street to visit her, and I sat at the edge of her bed, and I looked at Kate, and I looked at little baby Despacito, and... <laughs> I said, Kate, 10 months ago, we were doing MDMA in a bath. Now you're playing mommy. I'm not buying what you're selling here. Not buying it at all. And again, unfair comment to make. She's a great mom. This is her second baby, baby number two. No, she's a great mom. Uh, she's another lovely little girl. Gorgeous little thing. A uh, little timpishta. Um, uh, yeah. Just, just to explain to any of our visitor friends, it's a traditional Celtic name. And, uh, yeah, and, you know, she is a great mom. Just to say as well, you know, I don't actually have any kids myself. I don't have any kids myself. That doesn't mean I don't have a lot of kids in my life. I do. Uh, I have a lot of nieces and nephews. Uh, give me a holler if you have nieces and nephews. Oh, very good. And, of course, you're not supposed to have a favourite are you? But you always have a favourite. You do. I do have a favourite niece. Uh, she's actually my goddaughter as well. Yeah, she's four years of age. Her name is Daisy. And sorry, I just love her so much. I love her like she was my own. Um, sorry, don't want to get upset. Um, sorry. I love my niece so much. Um, sorry, it's just kind of hard for me and my family. Um, I love Daisy so much, but there's no easy way to say this. Um, sorry. She's English, okay? <laughs> sorry. Sorry, don't want to ruin my makeup. Um, she's just so fucking English, and... She was staying in my house a few weeks ago for the weekend. Uh, she was staying in my gaff and I came downstairs. She's great fun. I came downstairs on the Sunday morning, walked into my kitchen. I have a very big house. And, uh, <laughs> and there was Daisy. And Daisy turned to me and she was like, um, Auntie Julie, um, thank you for coming, but when are you going? And I turned to my sister, her mother, and I was like, seriously, Sinead, this is what's wrong with the English. They come for a holiday and they never fuck off. Like, I'm pretty sure that's how occupation happens. I'm also pretty sure she's stealing my potatoes. Um, I'm sorry, that was an on-point famine reference, and you're right, it is too soon. Okay, we're still in that... 
weird intergenerational period. Just to go back as well to clarify, I shouldn't just presume uh, everyone here speaks the Gaelic. Uh, Timpishta, just to explain uh, to any of us, our visitor friends, Timpishta, as some of us might know, means vision or dream. Yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you, I'm fluent. It's no big deal. Um, I have to say, I'm glad we're into the November now. October was a bit of a tough month for me. It's actually my birthday in October. Any other October babies in? Oh, I don't know about you guys, but I had a bit of a shit one this year. Yeah, it wasn't great, it wasn't great. I really thought I was going to get engaged. Yeah, I thought my boyfriend was going to propose, and it didn't happen. So you've got to call them on that shit, okay? You've got to be very direct with the men. They don't get subtlety. So I did say it to my boyfriend straight up. I said, listen here, what's the story? I thought I'd be off the shelf by now. Okay, TikTok. And he, he did, you know, he did make the valid point that we haven't been together long, which is fair. But in my defense, guys, okay, my defense, like, you know, we're living together. Uh, we're saving for a house. Sexually speaking, I don't want to get too saucy, okay? Because that's not who I am. That's not what my comedy is about. But let's just say... Okay, how will I put this politely? Um, okay, let's just say we've done it our ways. Okay, I... Yeah. Uh, I've given him my bum bum. Okay, I've given him my bum bum. Uh, we've done anal, guys, is what I'm saying. I see someone asking a question there. And uh, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. A ring for a ring. That's how I was raised. Okay, I'm just a traditional girl with traditional values. Um, before I go, guys, 2019, has it been a good year for you people? Good year, right? Uh, yeah, it's been a mixed bag for me, but I have to say, I suppose on the plus side, I have lost half a stone in weight. Thank you so much. Um, for any Americans in the room, that's like 70 kilos. And uh, yeah, um, I just took up spinning. Any fans of spinning? Oh, a lot of fans in. Yeah, I just took up spinning and started doing coke again. So that way, it's dropping off like you wouldn't believe. Absolutely fantastic. Couldn't recommend it enough. Um, before I go, guys, I will say it's been so nice to be here with you this evening. I've been in really bad form of late. Okay, I've been doing a lot of giving out, a lot of moaning uh, about the extortionate cost of ladies' sanitary items. Yeah, doing a lot of giving out about it until, thank God... A male friend sat me down and I explained that tampons are actually luxury items. Yeah. So I copped myself on. Copped myself on. And I have sworn to henceforth just wear tampons on very special occasions. So, you know, birthdays, uh, Christmas, maybe a friend's wedding, obviously close friend, no notions here. Um, gonna be honest, you guys, that joke isn't even funny. Um, but what gives me such pleasure, what gives me such joy is watching the three men in the room collectively get sick into their pint glass at the mere mention of their tampon. Like, it's so brilliant to watch. I mean, jokes aside, guys, I would say you could probably rob a post office in this country armed only with a tampon. Like, <laughs> such is the level of fears. Guys, I've been Jimmy J. Thank you so much. Shirley J. Julie J, come take a seat. So, Julie J, thank you for doing that. that was an amazing oh, set. It was so, so funny. Much for having me. It's a, it's a delight. I'm delighted to Tell be here. me, Julie J, 
trying, on the theme of trying, what do you think you've tried at and failed at, but that you've learnt from or you've grown through? Yeah, I mean, I think God loves a trier, don't they? Like, I've always been a bit of a trier. And I think, I know you guys were talking earlier on about how it's almost kind of looked down upon to say you're trying. You are very exposed when you say you're trying something, you know. So I kind of started comedy a bit later. I was teaching for a long time. And then about three years, we've got a couple of fans in, wonderful. Um, they like my work, Education. they like my work. Yes. They were fans um, of you being a teacher. Yes. They were and like, then, go back to that. Woo. Yeah, yeah, they're like... Seriously, you've had your fun. Now back to the classroom. Um, now, so I kind of came at this a bit later, three years ago, and I suppose it was a real risk in trying something new at that stage mm -hmm. because you're kind of going beyond your safety net. And there's something really nice about making yourself vulnerable and admitting to the world you're trying. Um, isn't there? Like, mm. I really think so. Like, at the moment, I actually put up something on my Instagram a couple of weeks ago about myself and my partner currently trying for a child. Mm. Um, yes, and the response was amazing from people who are in a similar situation or who would try... Because nobody ever really talks about the no process of trying. You know, they talk about, like, the end product, the end result, but the process. It was mm. just lovely to get the feedback from people saying, you know what, I'm there too. So it's great. Yeah, it was, it's scary, though, to yeah. try, especially to try and have children. Yeah. You know, it's like... Um, it can go wrong in so many ways, or you can not have... Well, what, my, what I'm trying to say is... You can have a child that grows up to be in Fina Gale, you know, there's so much... <laughs> I'm kidding. Shots I'm fired. Kidding. I'm kidding. Shots fired. I, I don't know who that is. Uh, <laughs> this is Fina Fall Posse in the house. You love a bit of Fina Fall. No, I do not. Ha, ha, ha. No, I do I'm not. I'm joking. I'm Who's joking. Fina Fall. <laughs> do you know what? To be honest with you, there's no difference between yeah. the two. There's no. They're both it's basically political, political parties. So yeah. they're. Oh. They're political oh, okay, parties. Okay. Sorry, I thought it was a human being. I was like, you could grow up to be. Fina Vol and I was like must be some like TV presenter you don't like <laughs> yeah I I tried to have a baby for some years and uh, you don't need to be sad now you, everyone got very quiet like oh no this is going to be a sad one it's worked out fine I mean there's no baby but it has worked out fine that's spoiler alert um, there's a few people there cheering my barren womb <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> I mean, it really is a wasteland. Um, but going in and being told that, you know, because you have all these speculum shoved up you and stuff, it's really yeah. invasive. And being told, I was so annoyed about that I had a thin womb lining. I just felt really annoyed because I've never been thin. <laughs> and I was like, oh, great, my womb lining is... Like, oh, Kate Moss would be so jealous. Yeah. <laughs> it's all that special case. <laughs> Why are all the thin things about me on the inside? I've been told I've got other thin things and, you know, inside. And it's just, it's annoying. Not that thin is good and I'm not equating thin with good. But it was the hallmark of the 90s when I was at university. It was the only thing available to be. I mean, it's very different now because there's, you know, there's Lizzo. But, you know, oh, yeah. I, but anyway, that was not the main sadness was not that I had a thin womb. You don't lining. have the womb of Lizzo. <laughs> <laughs> have the womb lining of Kate Moss and I don't care who knows it um, then they put me on all these potions and I've talked before I'm sure on the podcast about meeting my biological family it came up on Facebook today that it was seven years ago today my birth mother friended me on Facebook oh nice so we'd just spoken on the phone and when we hung up then I got a friend request wow. and I was like 
<gasps> I'll never forget it. And it was the night of one of the big American elections because I was going to an all-night election thing and I remember it on the way there, suddenly being able to see all of her stuff. So not long after that... I went out to New Zealand and all my sisters, I have three biological sisters, they all have children, and they said to me, do you want children? And I said, well, actually, yes, I'm actually in the process of borrowing, borrowing an egg. You're not going to give it back, are you? <laughs> Would you like it back? It's being used. It's fertilised. Uh, it, um, renting, leasing, buying, buying. taking an egg. Conquering and time egg. sharing, thank you. Because <laughs> it has been in some time sharing's good. And uh, my sister Mel, who's very impulsive, I said, I've got an egg coming from Russia because there's some legally it's easy to get an egg from Russia. I don't know why. I mean, it's probably Putin, isn't it? He's probably, he's probably <laughs> put something in there because he's trying to take over the world. Anyway, I hadn't he's thought just of laying it. a load of eggs like Putin. <laughs> clown eggs. Clown eggs. <laughs> Russian clown eggs. Anyway. Um, that's Fabergé eggs. So, <laughs> and I said, uh, and I said, oh, I've got a Russian egg. And Mel went, don't get a Russian egg. Don't get a Russian egg. I'll give you an egg. I'll give you an egg. Then the baby would be biologically part yours. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, it was the first night we'd really talked. And I thought, I don't want them to think I've come for an egg. And that's why I found them. I thought, oh, my God, they're going to think I want a kidney next. And alone. I was like, no, 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 no. And she was like, no, I'm going to give you an egg. I've always wanted to do that for somebody. No, I want to give you an egg. And I was like, well, let's the emotions are running high let's talk about this she was sort of in my room we're having this kind of girly glass of wine and I was like so sweet of you but let's wait till I get back to London and see how we feel but the next morning we went for brunch and it was just the first time I sort of really felt like oh I'm in this family the kids were sitting around and we were all having it's like this hipster place and it was really fun we were all making jokes and Devon my birth mother went to the counter because she was ordering the brunches because she was paying for everything she was treating us and when she came back from ordering and sat down Mel just turned to her in front of everyone and went, Mum, I'm giving Deborah one of my eggs. And Devon said, did you not want the full breakfast? Oh, brilliant. That is true. That is absolutely true. And Mel went, no, Mum, not one of my eggs, Benedict. Not one of my eggs, Benedict. One of my eggs, my body, so she can have a baby. And I said, oh, my God. You know, I said, Devon, I haven't asked. I've got an egg, I've got a Russian egg. She said, oh, don't use Russian egg. You don't know where it's from. I was like, no, it's the only thing I do know about it is where it's from. So there might be a tiny egg inside of that and another little egg inside of that, another little egg inside of that. You don't know, you don't know, you don't know. But I do remember my brother-in-law leaning over and just whispering to me, well, if it's a boy, you'll have to call him Benedict. Oh, very good. And we tried, she came over and it was actually, she'd never been to London before, it was an incredible mixture of invasive medical procedures and tourist attractions. And... Sometimes at the same time. <laughs> yeah, basically we would go and put our legs up in stirrups and have people pump stuff up us and then go to the Tower of London and uh, go and see Rock of Ages. Speaking of Rock invasive of procedures, um, not to brag, but I did go for a colonoscopy during the week. Uh, bling, bling. Do we have any fans in? And just to digress for a moment, about a minute or so into the procedure, this is 100% true, um, the doctor said, how's that, Julie? And instead of, this is 100% true, on my life, instead of saying, that's grand, I said, that's lovely. And oh. 100% true. That's not the right thing to say. I think I've cancelled myself. Oh. But I digress. Oh. No, no, it ultimately didn't work, didn't take. But I felt like we'd sort of taken on biology and won because it really made us sisters. 
And it was amazing. But then I went to this other thing and I got a donor egg. But when the donor egg came through, they said to me, we're really sorry, we'd forgotten to tell you, but the donor is a cystic fibrosis carrier, which is fine unless your husband, Tom Solinsky, who produces this podcast, is also a cystic fibrosis carrier. And then that would be unwise because the baby would have cystic fibrosis and obviously there are people in the world with cystic fibrosis who are loved and love but obviously you wouldn't deliberately do that um so they said you mustn't if tom's a cystic fibrosis carrier and if he's not you're absolutely fine and so off the results when they said oh, sorry you're gonna have to wait six weeks and in this six weeks the thing is because you're so pumped full of hormones my moods would just swing so massively. My body completely changed. It was awful. And one point I went to the fertility clinic and said, I don't think I should be thinking about having a baby because I honestly feel so depressed. I want to end it all. And the lady went, oh, hold on a minute. On the chart it says you're on the suppositories and the nasal spray, and that can give you suicidal ideation. So we'll pop you off one of those. Would have been nice, wouldn't it? I thought it was me. I thought it was me. And you know when you're depressed, you don't think I'm depressed. You think this is the truth. Yes. And all the time before I was living in cloud cookie land and actually that was all a lie. This is the reality. And so I was so fucked by these hormones and fucked by this process and the fact that they don't really tell you what's going on the whole time and constantly having people put things up me. It was, if there was a hole in my body, something would go into it. And, and which I know is how you make a regular baby, but not through all the orifices. And so... Uh, God loves a trier, though. You know. <laughs> so, while this was going on, I just thought, after all of this, these years of all of this poking around and everything, and all of the fucking stress on my body, I don't think I want this anymore. I don't think I want to be woken up four times a night. My life is amazing, and I'm going to be giving up so much. I don't even really know if it's going to be worth what I get. Mm. And I was just like this, and I just started to think, I hope Tom is a cystic fibrosis carrier. I know, I know, I know. And it's a real thing for me to tell you this. I was going to do this as stand-up, but I thought I won't, because I can't stand up and say it. But I thought... You can't wish that, can you? You can't wish that. But I sort of hope, because if, if he is, then I can say, oh, well, we'll have to get another egg now, and it's going to be a whole thing. Maybe we just draw a line. So I was waiting for the results to come back and secretly hoping he was a cystic fibrosis carrier. And then he came back, and he was in the clear. He was fine. He aced every test, by the way. He was always so pleased. His sperm would always get A-star. <laughs> and he'd be like, oh, look. And I'd be like, yes, yes, okay, all right, but... The barren womb is flunking out, so maybe don't show me that. Um, and uh, not that it was competitive, but, you know, he just men are pleased about that. Anyway, all strong swimmers. Yeah, right, right, right. They've got nowhere to swim. Um, I, can't, I cannot provide a pool. Um, so, now, so I was waiting, waiting. When the results came back, it said he wasn't a cystic fibrosis carrier, so it was fine to go ahead. And I looked at him, and it was just one of those seminal moments in a relationship where I went, I was kind of hoping you were. And he went... I was also hoping I was. And I just said, we shouldn't be doing this, should we? If we're both secretly hoping you're a cystic fibrosis carrier. (laughs) And he just went, no. And it was just this most romantic moment (laughs) of our relationship where we were both able to vulnerably look into each other's eyes and say, I hope you, I. It was like doing our wedding vows again. (laughs) Our cystic fibrosis carrier... So that we can no longer continue (laughs) down this path of trying to replicate ourselves for no real reason when there's probably enough children in the world. And, you know, like, let's just... 
let's just say you can get into this cycle of trying and then because you've tried for so long you think I must have this now yes. but it's also really important to at some points go I don't want this anymore and it's not a failure mm. to stop trying if you don't want the end result it's okay yeah. and that is an oscillating trajectory <laughs> So how's your trying for a baby going? Um, I mean, we're not pregnant yet. It's fine. I have to say, I find it so strange. I feel like I spent the first half of my life trying not to get pregnant. And now suddenly, like, I have to laugh. You go into the doctor and they hit you with the big questions like, how many days is your menstrual cycle? I was like, I don't have a fucking clue. Like, start me at the small stuff. But um, no, like, it's kind of surprising that we probably haven't had kids yet because I do... Like, I kind of, being honest, like, I kind of approach taking the oral contraceptive pill like I approach changing my bra. Like, I say, (laughs) you know, I do it, and I say, I should do this every day, but I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Who changes their bra every day? Yeah. What kind of perverts? (laughs) Absolute perverts. Yeah. (laughs) I, I would be... It's not good for the environment to change your bra every day because you're washing no. unnecessarily there. I think actually, didn't Stella McCartney say that recently? That she doesn't change her bra I'm every so day? I'm so like Stella McCartney. I yeah. think so. <laughs> Being honest. Like, who here honestly changes their bra every day? They're not going to say no. now. We've mocked them. <laughs> no. It's not a safe it's space it's true. True. It's true. True. I framed that wrong. If you do, you've got your reasons and I don't judge them, but I will never change my bra every day. Not happening. No, you've got to season it. if you do. Fair play to if you do, yeah. but not you for get, me. You've got to let your bra have some seasoning, you know what I mean? Just... <laughs> Bit of salt and pepper. Um, yeah. Let it let it age. <laughs> I mean, if it gets really sweaty, like I mean, a brie, like a brie, it has to do a lot to, for me to change my bra. I mean, I sort of I rotate them, but I don't always wash them between rotations. I do the exact rest same. Them. I rest do them. the exact same. Rest, yeah. give them a rest. A, a rest is as good as a full cycle in the washing machine. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> absolutely. A bit of Chanel chance. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I often think putting it in the laundry basket is enough, and then I just take it back out. <laughs> yeah. You've had your journey. Now come back to mommy. Um, yeah. yeah, you can pretend like nature has cleaned it or something like that. Yes. <laughs> like I mean, it's a cliff. What's dirt? There's nothing dirty there. It's just a bit of skin. I mean, it gets a bit sweaty occasionally, and that's when you give in. When it gets stiff, you give yes. in. Yes! And that's, you pop it in a... You print to hand wash it, but who's got the oh. time or interest? We need to we need to come up with like you know like a red sky at night shepherd's delight. Like we should come up with something like with the bra. Oh yes, like you know um, brown stains near um, the armpits. Maybe time to put it away for a little while. <laughs> stiff and grey, throw it away. That's, that's a good. Great. That's, that's, that's good. Great. Yeah. Thank you. I write jingles now. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, look, if the trying thing doesn't happen, I put it to you this way, and I actually said this to my partner the last day. I was like, look, if it doesn't happen, there's no other person I would want it not to happen with than you. And there's so many double negatives in that, but I really do mean that. Um, I wouldn't rather have not have babies with anyone but you. Yeah, yeah. like, I'd rather not have babies with him than go off and have babies with somebody who's a bit of a prick, you know, or that I don't like or love as much as I love him. Absolutely. So much better not to have babies with a non-prick. 
than to have babies with a, a real <sighs> pretty prick. tough. Um, if that's I, you. I haven't been this moved since the notebook. Like, this is literally... <laughs> <laughs> this, is, I, this is incredible. I, I had all those letters, you know? <laughs> like, oh. I did have a bit of guilt about Tom not being a father on my womb's account. It wasn't my fault, but my yeah. womb has blocked him from fatherhood. But he honestly seems to be fine with it now. He's like, look, we've got this really amazing life that we wouldn't have if we'd spent 18 years driving someone around. Because you are basically an Uber driver for 18 of your best years, your actual best years. And I do think, you know, now we have arguably too many cats. And, and, you know, what was that? Never too many. Never too many, thank you. Uh, you can have too many. Don't cats. throw can them you? in the bin. That's Am I the only one thinking that? No, no. Yeah, I've you treat babies like bras. You put them away for a few years, yes, and then you yeah. come back, and you're like, oh, you well, exist. Yeah. I have two cats, so I am a cat fan. But I think, you know, I'd say five would be my. Have you thought of just shaving one of the cats and putting it in a nappy? I mean, I do treat them like my babies. Their names are Ant and Deck. Yeah, they're very cute because Deck's a little bit smaller and Ant is a really bad driver. So very, (laughs) very appropriate. (laughs) Too much. Okay, not going to make the final edit. Okay. Um, But the cats are are great and we do treat them like our little babies. We do. And because we didn't have a child, we had a spare... Well, when we knocked through upstairs, we had a spare room for about three weeks, to be honest. Um, It was meant to be my room, one's own writing room. And then we met Steve, who's, a, um, who's from Syria and at that point was a refugee without papers. And he's now, I almost don't like, I mean, he is a refugee because he can't go back to his own country, but he's not displaced anymore. So we need another word for it, really. Could be the artist formerly known as displaced. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think everything happens for a reason. I think everything happens for a rationalisation. I think we look at it and go, oh, well, but if Bob hadn't dumped me, I wouldn't have gone to Japan and I never would have met Kenji. It was meant to be. It's like, well, no, Bob's a prick. You randomly got on a plane. You were going to meet somebody. You people meet people. They fancy people. If you'd been with Bob, he would have been there and he would have cock-blocked Kenji. End of story. <laughs> so, you know, I don't think everything happens for a reason. But if I did think that, I would think the reason we couldn't have children is so we could be there for Steve. And it's been such a magnificent experience to... He's a grown man, he's not a child, I don't want to infantilise him, but it has been an absolutely magnificent experience to be able to be there to nurture and nourish somebody who absolutely deserves that. Mm. But, you know, he came to us, he could hold his own head up, he could... (laughs) So, fish. I mean, really well as well, competence beyond, you know, anything a newborn would have. I'm being parodic, but to be honest, it's such a lovely experience. So I would say, if you have a room in your house and you haven't had a child or you think, oh, we might like a child... To foster a child or to offer a room to a refugee, honestly, it can be one of the greatest experiences of your life. And, you know, with climate change looming, 
and overpopulation and all of that sort of stuff it's just something to consider and I'm not in any way saying don't have a baby I'm saying think about if you really want to have a baby yes. you know not you yeah you've already thought about it no but I think that's a really good point to make because so many friends of mine like my age we would have these chats and they almost feel bad for putting out there maybe I don't want to have kids you know they've been married for a few years but it's like that peer pressure that everyone just presumes that's what they want and it's not necessarily like they have to ask themselves the question is it something I really want mm-hmm. I think we because just get on a conveyor belt yes, exactly, and it's like yeah. well I'm going to go to uni or I'm going to do this or yeah. I'm do that. and we don't it's stop and say this is what I want you yeah. know and is this going to make me really happy yeah. and some things are reversible and babies aren't so uh, no don't say it <laughs> that's not a baby okay. now it's time to end the show Oh. I know, it's so disappointing. I would stay here for another hour. I'd do a lock-in, but we've been told 11 is the absolute cut-off, and it's and three minutes to 11. They've been great. They've been amazing. The Vicar Street staff are incredible. Give them a big round of applause. <laughs> Before we go, uh, yeah. is there anything you want to plug? Tell these guys about. Um, well, I have a podcast, up to 90 podcasts, for everything, anything 90s, and I also have another podcast that's going to be coming out called Crimeland, if you want to check that one out. Also, I'm on Instagram, Julie J Comedy, and I'm on Twitter under Rebecca Vardy. Uh, thank you. <laughs> and you have a tour. You oh, a the tour. tour. I, thank you, Alison. I have a tour. Yeah. yeah. It's called Julie Really Loves Me, and I'll be going all over, so please come. Is it Julie Really Loves Me? Julie Really Loves Julie Me. Julie Really Loves Me. Check out that tour. We'll be in Waterford, Wexford, Dublin, Galway, Cork, Limerick, Clare, Tralee, where I got my first belly button piercing. Um, so Her all the hot spots. Would be churlish not to so go check back. check that out, please. Alison Spittle, anything to plug? Uh, so I have a podcast called The Alison Spittle Show, and uh, also <laughs> I'm doing a tour. So I'm doing a show called Alison Spittle, Mother of God, um, which is about the time that I didn't get the part of Mary in the school nativity play and how not to hold grudges. So... Um, Go and see that. I'll see that. Okay. And come on the 21st of March to Liberty Hall to see my show. All yeah, right, 21st that's of March. Put that in the diary now. Uh, can I just say, this is genuinely true, if I get a TV special, I'm doing it at Vicar Street. And tonight has only reinforced that you are an amazing, amazing, amazing. audience and I love you. You have been listening to The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis White, guest guest, Alison Spittler, and very special guest, Julie J. The recording engineer was Brendan Jenkinson. Music was by Mark Hodge. The producer was Tom Zielinski for The Spontaneity Shop. Thanks to Bren Berry and Aiken Promotions and everyone at Vicar Street, as well as all of you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, visit guiltyfeminist.com. Thank you very much, everyone. That's our show. I've been Deborah Francis White. We've been the Guilty Feminists. Good night. Spontaneous applause. Then Alison is going to build you to a climax, leaving. I don't know what a climax is either. No. You've certainly never experienced one. No, that's I'm me. very torn because I want to defend her son. Do you know?
so sorry. I don't. I feel like I should. I can't talk about her as a mother in. Can I have to? Can I say a name, even if it's a fake Bridget. name? Bridget. Her name's Bridget. Bridget. She's lovely. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at fifty to eighty percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 